Today's Bible reading is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 18, rather than 1 through 9. And that on, starts on page 1041, if you'd like to follow along. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, called in Hebrew, Bethzatha, which has four, five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, The man who made me well said to me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take it up and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore the Jews started persecuting Jesus, because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is still working, and... I also am working. For this reason, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. Now, Michael mentioned it was, uh, it's kind of a difficult uh, day for some of us, uh, Mother's Day, because uh, we no longer have our mothers around. Uh, in fact, uh, one Mother's Day, I just didn't preach here, and I went up to Oregon and um, my mom took me to her worship service, and she was just so proud of that moment that I realized uh, how much it meant to her. And uh, that's something I'll never regret uh, for the rest of my life. And so uh, the older I get, the more I realize how, how much I owe to my mother and my father, and to many of the uh, women in my life who were mother to me as well. So we're kind of in a a little bit of a somber mood today. Uh, if you're celebrating your mother who is still alive, God bless you. It's a good day. Uh, speaking of good days, uh, it's been a pure pleasure to have Kathy, um, I wanna call her Kathy Hopkins, but it's, it's Kathy Scott. Uh, she has uh, stayed with us these past two weeks and she is one of the, a great house guest. She just makes herself at home and. Um, we talk about all different kinds of things and, you know, solve the problems of the world, uh, that kind of thing, and kind of hate to see her go back to Australia, uh, but uh, she has somebody waiting for her there, her husband David, so uh, we have mixed feelings about you going home, so, yeah. Um, I want to thank uh, Shannon for reading uh, the text today. The, uh, the text was to be only the first nine verses of chapter 5 of John, but um, she went ahead and read the whole story. And so we're going to get the whole story today. Um, just one word about uh, an ordination service. 
Hi, Terry. Hallelujah, everybody. Would you stand up and let everybody know who you are? <laughs> I want to call her Terry Gibbons, but it is Terry Wyborny now, and I can only tolerate just a handful of name changes before I get totally confused. <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, we are having an ordination service this afternoon at 3 for Terry Wyborny. She's being ordained. And, um, you know, you can send off in the mail uh, to get a certificate of ordination for $10. Why didn't we do that, Terry? <laughs> $70,000, yeah, I know. Uh, but it really is a day of joy for her. Uh, she will have family here and friends, and um, we'll be having a very nice worship service for her today where she will she be ordained. And uh, she's uh, asked me, and it's quite an honor for, uh, to, to preach a little bit, and it's kind of a little daunting for me to be preaching to preachers. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, my only fear is that I might insult them. You know about that, don't you? <laughs> I mean, on, accidentally on purpose. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, most of the UCC pastors I know are just really great people. Um, they're just really balanced and uh, great human beings, so I just joke about that. Well, we've got this odd little story here uh, about this paralytic man, and um, Jesus comes upon him at this uh, pool in a porch where there, there are five porches together. That's a, what a portico is. It's a porch. And there are several disabled uh, people around there. And, um, and I'm just going to read you the text because it's so wonderfully undertold. We don't get very much information at all. And it has Jesus uh, going up uh, to Jerusalem for a festival day. And then uh, the text mentions the sheep gate of Jerusalem and then a pool there um, uh, called Bethesda, some other names as well, uh, with five uh, porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. I kind of like these uh, Bible stories because they tell just barely enough for us to get a picture and then we have to speculate. And I, that's one of the fun things we do in Bible study is we, we try to read behind the lines and speculate. Uh, all we are told about this man is that he's been sick for 38 years and we don't really know what he's sick with. Uh, he's just one among many uh, who, uh, who are sick there. And of course, Jesus comes on the scene and, and looks at it. And then he asks the man, 
Do you want to be made well? And how does this guy answer? Sounds like an excuse to me. I try to get to the troubled water, but somebody comes in before me every time. Can't do it. Can't do it. Now, people who know Jesus kind of expect Jesus to touch him or say some words over him or something like that, but he just says, get up, take your mat. And the guy gets up and takes his mat, and away he goes. Go figure. <laughs> that's, that's a little too easy. Um, I'm just wondering about this man who was sick for 38 years, wondering what kind of illness he had and why he couldn't beat somebody to the pool who mysteriously gets uh, uh, bubbly or, or, or something happens with the, with the water that evidently the first one there gets healed. So I, we have to speculate a whole lot about this story. The point being is that uh, Jesus tells him just to get up and walk. End of story. Um, but it got my mind thinking about why this man was there for 38 years and uh, he didn't need anything, no hocus pocus, no prayers of incantation, no healing service. Jesus tells him just to get up. Why didn't he do it 38 years earlier? I wonder about that. I wonder about that. I'm wondering how sick he was. And it's not one of those situations where we're supposed to blame the victim. But sometimes we victimize ourselves by claiming to be sick or unable. And we have a lot of stories in the Bible where uh, Yahweh confronts somebody, asks them to do something, and they say, well, they don't talk well enough, they're not able to do it. And they, you get a whole list of uh, excuses, especially from Moses there at the burning bush. And there are a lot of places in the Bible where uh, Yahweh asks people to do something and they give excuses. It's the wrong day. I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not well enough, I'm not right for the job, so that's why I'm here where I am. Now, a few years ago, I um, was gonna write, uh, write something about a woman that I got to know, and um, I went to her place with my tape recorder, and I just interviewed her. I have a whole box of cassettes of inter interviewing this person. Let's call her Lily. That's not her real name. We'll call her Lily. And uh, I went to um, her place, oh, maybe six or eight times uh, with my tape recorder. And I just went through, uh, you know, tell me about your life, you know, where were you born, and, and this and that. And she was just very explaining everything very, very fully. She wanted to be just really open and trusting of me. Uh, this lady was born without legs or arms. And she had one arm that had a sort of a little thing right there, and thank God for that because that's, that's what she uses to do most of the things that she has to do. I mean, imagine that. Wow. Well, she has learned through the years uh, how to take care of herself. She uses the bathroom on her own. I asked her about that. She went into detail, which I'll spare. 
She dressed herself. She bathed herself. She did some of the cooking for herself. She got herself into her um, electric wheelchair and she would go down to the grocery store, buy food. She would go here and there. She would meet up with uh, some transportation system that would take her wheelchair in there and take her off to her doctor's appointment. And she lived alone. Of course, she had somebody come in and do some of the things that she couldn't do. But Now, you talk about someone who could play out their victimization. Wow. I bet she had a million excuses why she couldn't do this or that. But she did them. And there was no sense uh, that she was uh, a victim. Just the way she was born. She has lots of friends. Uh, she has had many partners, shall we say. She's lived a f pretty full life. And I, you know, it kind of put things in perspective uh, for me because uh, it, I'm not the only one who uh, sometimes plays the victim if I get a headache or sick or something like that. Or, break a leg or whatever, you know, I, I feel like my life has kind of come to an end, but wow, I, I, I think of Lily all the time. Um, we uh, are host to a number of AA groups who come and go through our fellowship hall uh, all week. We have them there every day of the week and sometimes more than one, and they're all 12-step programs. Some of them are Al-Anon uh, and so on. They go through the 12 steps. And one of the things that's really interesting to me is, and everybody knows this who's involved, and that is when, when somebody has been uh, involved uh, heavily with alcohol for a very long period of time, uh, their family tends to gather around them and make adjustments for that. And so the longer that that person is involved in alcohol and all of that, that's the sort of the, the homeostasis of the home, we might say. So when they go to AA and they stop drinking and they enter a whole different kind of life, um, then their family has to make a lot of adjustments too. And in my naive little way, I thought, you know, why not celebrate the fact that somebody has is, is with the 12-step program and, and not uh, involved in alcohol as they were before. Well, I, I found out that not every family celebrates that. Sometimes divorces happen after that. Sometimes children get angry because they have to remold that family in a whole different way. The whole family system is what they call it, uh, gets, uh, gets changed. And um, it's just interesting to me uh, how how everything gets adjusted uh, to the one who once was an alcoholic. Why did Jesus even ask the paralytic if he wanted to be healed? Well, being uh, whatever condition he was in for 38 years, his whole life was defined by whatever ailment that he had. We don't know what it was. We're not told that because the Bible's probably not interested in that. But it does say he was ill for 38 years and then Jesus told him just to get up. Makes you wonder about how closely his illness was part of his self-definition. 
Oh, yeah, you know the guy over there? Yeah, uh, Tom, you know the guy that, uh, you know, he hasn't done this for 38 years. Yeah, him. Nice guy. Go smoke a cigarette with him, maybe. Tell stories. Waiting for the water to do its thing. Who knows what that's about? Seriously, read it. Doesn't go anywhere. But, but, but then it kind of made me wonder uh, how many of us are self-identified through some malady we might have, either psychologically or physically, and how sometimes we are uh, victim to our virtues or victim to our illnesses, and how pity can be kind of drawn out and people can feel sorry for you. And uh, there's a whole kind of a, nats, uh, 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 a mouse nest of reasons that go on in our head in the way that we kind of uh, bring illness into our life and how we interpret that illness to other people. Why did Jesus ask if this guy wanted to be healed? Well, for one thing, it brought out his true answer. It's an excuse. Jesus saw it was an excuse. He said, get up. I'm kind of inflecting that in my own way. <laughs> in a little cynical way of reading between the lines here. So, you know, just sort of neutrally. Get up. Pick up your mat. And so he does. And he walks away. Can't remember who it was who said that to him. Uh, but Jesus spotted him later on, and then, uh, and then this, uh, this guy went and told the authorities who, who this guy was who did it to him. Now, the second half of the story is really just as, as important as, as the uh, second part of the story. Now, who got really angry about what Jesus did? Who got really angry at the man who was carrying his mat around on a Sabbath? The religious people, the religious authorities, you know, some little technicality, and they, they just completely missed the story, <laughs> as many Christians are wont to do, I might say. Many of us might not want to know the story. I mean, just think of it, though. I mean, if you had something really wrong with you, and you are taking your medications for that, doing your little things around the house for that, and then somebody asks you, do you want that illness any longer? Hmm, that kind of makes me wonder. I wouldn't have all the wonderful drugs I have <laughs> if I got well. I can hear Jesus interrupting my excuses, <laughs> what would he say to me? Eh, get on with your life, geez. There are people in, in, in sort of my little community who call themselves migrainers. Migrainers, they self-identify with that. There's probably every disease you can think of that has a little um, support group online, which is not a bad thing. I'm not against all of this. Thing. I'm just wondering 
how this story shows us something about our lives and the way that we live with what we consider our drawbacks, our illnesses, our impediments, whatever they might be. And then, and then how the drug, the drug, the drug, I was going to say the drug industry, but I mean the religious people. <laughs> mm, maybe I mean both, huh? <laughs> uh, you, you can't have that drug, they say. We've got laws against that, dr- that drug, and we're, we're going to go get the police because you've you got that drug, no matter how much that drug has saved somebody's life. That's why marijuana has became legalized in this, in this state, hopefully. Uh, it started off with uh, kids who were having seizures, and the only thing that would help them was marijuana. And it was illegal in the state. And if the parents got marijuana, they could suffer the consequences. So they had to go to another state where they were producing this marijuana that was just right for this, this child. And how weird is that? The authorities coming down on this, these parents, telling them that they can't have the very thing that makes their child better. Religious authorities, drug companies, politics, all of that kind of stuff tries to define who we are. And it's funny, well, it's not funny, how many drug advertisements we see on TV. The drug industry is actively trying us to identify ourselves associated with some malady or some illness. You need this pill. Ask your doctor about that pill. Uh, It's a crazy world. Why would the religious people want to get Jesus into trouble? Why would they complain of this man who had been ill for 38 years that he was walking around carrying his mat? That was the problem. Not that he had been healed and walking, but that he was carrying his mat. It was considered work on the Sabbath. And healing was considered work on the Sabbath. How weird is that? That is just weird. I mean, what, what happens if you go down to the, uh, you know, the emergency room at St. Jude's and it's closed because it's Sunday? And you were having heart problems. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just interested in the complicity of all of us together in our society trying to identify ourselves with illnesses and define ourselves around illnesses. When in fact, the healing is already there. And yet how much we buy into the illness. Oh, you see how I get headaches? And it gets worse here too, because I have to say, and uh, we're gonna kind of wind it up here, but what did the religious people want to do to Jesus? They wanted to kill him. Wow, wow. I would not wanna be a doctor in Jesus' time. I wouldn't wanna be a faith healer in Jesus' time. So, just thinking about your own life and, you know, all your ailments, all your scars, um, everything that's wrong with you, I'm not going to take any of that away. All of that is real, it's there, we have to deal with it, 
But we don't have to define our lives by that. We don't have to. That's not who we are. I am not my migraines. I am not my whatever else is wrong with you. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's only so much I'll tell you. You can ask Ann. <laughs> but what would it mean to you, though? Something like Jesus looking at you and say, get up and walk. What would that mean in your life? That would be a challenge, wouldn't it, to some of us? And then we have those ears, that we have those words ringing in our ears as this guy skips and hops away, I guess. Get up and walk. Take your mat with you. Will you pray with me? God of wholeness, we say we come to you just as we are, broken, confused, sometimes in pain. Yet we also acknowledge each and every one of us is your beloved, created whole and perfect. So which is it? Can it possibly be both? Can the traveler be whole when the journey appears so broken? Perhaps the answer lies in authenticity and compassion. Perhaps we come to you just as we are, looking for our ideas about health and well-being to be made whole, rather than for our bodies to be cured. We reach out to touch the garment of the loving one. We reach for the elusive waters of healing, all the while forgetting about the living water that flows freely within. All who believe shall not thirst. We also give thanks this morning for those gifted in the talents and abilities of mothering. Strong and courageous women who have raised children, made sacrifices, risked attachment. Women who have said, I love you, said, I still love you, said, I'm sorry. All those women who have held us close in the strong arms of a mothering embrace, reminding us of the strength of caring, the power of openness, and the beauty of being loved. We give thanks this morning for all those who have mothered us, for the Rebecca Circle who caringly mothers this congregation, and we pray for a day when all mothers and all children can live within their wholeness. God of all, we invite you again this morning into our existence. Shake us from our daily worries into the stillness of your peace. We know the day-to-day -day rhythm will always be the cadence of our journey. But help us never to forget that greater than the day-to-day -day is your moment-by-moment -moment invitation into a life where regardless of whether we are cured, we can always be healed. Joining with all in this world who seek a deeper existence of connection and well-being in the pursuit of the common good, we hear your call to get up and walk. 
walking into a faithful future together as your family, we pray this morning the words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.